Hey guys, welcome to the show. Um, I'm feeling a bit blue to be honest. What happened to little Dickie? Did you break up? Nah, well, little Dickie broke up, disintegrated actually. Apparently, it is a saltwater organism and I kept it in fresh water. Can't you get another one? Well, allegedly, Al got a cold. Probably some virus took some time off. I know a creature I can introduce you to. Who knows, maybe you'll like it. Yeah, which one? Um, here's its profile. Uh, it's an atrocious, smelly fish. And a saltwater one. Nice job cheering me up. Hey, you know, plenty more fish in the sea. Right. And it's called a black swallower. And hobbies include gulping things twice its size. Real classy, man. Hey, it will make you feel better. Get your mind off Dicky. Maybe you'll find something in common. Haven't we already done enough questionably named creatures? Ah, maybe the scientific name is more tasteful. Let's see, it's called Chiasmodon. No, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I'm done. Ending the episode here. Bye. Darwin, you already promised the fans you are covering this one. No, I didn't. Let me jog your memory. This is from episode one. <laughs> or gluttonous fish that eat prey so large their stomachs literally explode. Aw, <laughs> oh, man. I have to do a swallower? Well, at least it lives in the pitch. Dark. Depths of the ocean. And really cool things tend to live there. Hmm. Okay, we're doing it, so let's dive in, Cannonball! You already said that in episode 2. Al, aren't you on sick leave? Um, cough, cough, but you are cutting corners again. Oh, shut up! Okay, so I am not going on this date. I'll jumble up some bits and pieces of information caught in an episode, guys, okay? Um, I already texted it. The date is set for- Insert number of minutes since this and the day part. Minutes. Aw, oh, crap. Don't pussy out, man. Well, let's at least learn something about this thing so I can know what to expect. So, the erotically named Black Swallower is a species of fish that makes its presence unknown worldwide in tropical and subtropical waters. And I do say unknown because this is a deep sea fish living in depths of up to 2,745 meters. And somehow, we know that it is very common and widespread and distributed all around the world. Worlds, but have hardly ever witnessed a living specimen in its natural habitats. Kinda like men who brag about their sex life. From what I've gathered, we've known about it since the 1800s and only as recently as 2017 have we actually recorded a living one. And if you look at the page for its genus, three new species have been described since 2008. So we know nothing about these fish except that they are apparently everywhere. The scarce information we do know about them is based on dead specimens that float up to the ocean surface. So the species grows up to 25 centimeters in length. For our non-metric friends, this is equivalent to 0.015% of a mile. 
Its most pronounced feature is its large mouth, which can open wide like a snake's mouth and is filled with sharp teeth, which interlock like a zipper when the mouth is closed. And I've left out a tremendous amount of information because apparently all ichthyologists care about are biometrics and taxonomy. And if you Google this thing, most of the sites will bombard you with Latin names and numbers and oh yeah, millions of sources. So if they screwed up one number, they can point their finger to someone else. It's like these scientists are not fascinated by how these animals live and what adaptations they utilize. All they are interested in is dick measuring. But in this case, they measure, say, the distance between the specimen's anus and pectoral fin. Captain, we've made an amazing discovery. We have just now caught a shark that can expel its own teeth like bullets. This is for big news. Arr, nah, matey. Go measure its poopole. That's where the booty is. I feel like most of my episodes need to have a mandatory criticism of science. The coolest info on this creature was published over a century ago, when scientists were more adventurous, not doing this just as a job to feed their families. They used to have a passion that has since been lost in the rapid pace of modern life, where we need to quickly finish school, get our driver's license, publish papers, get a degree, get a job, receive a grant, get a promotion, live our sad empty lives, and become one with the machine. Yeah, so I do understand why scientists choose the easy route, as there's not much abstract thought involved into putting a ruler over a fish's ass. Oh, there go my chances of ever being monetized. Well, at least I have my millions of followers. I wish. I give myself room for personal expression because I guess I have faith that fish ass biometrics will not become a hot button social issue and that nobody will cancel me over that in the near future. As for all my ichthyologist friends out there, have at me with your calipers, I guess. But honestly, guys, fish measurement is extremely important in determining species as they all look like fish. And it was kind of fun to do that in college. And now, the reason people tune into my podcast. The weird, disturbing shit. Well, the black swallower is any fish's worst nightmare, but also any vorarophile's most amazing wet dream. It basically swallows its prey whole, like a python, but most often the prey is much larger than the swallower. The skin is not covered in scales, and the stomach is extremely elastic, enabling them to tightly keep their prey in a giant sack that bulges out of their underside like a giant tumor, until the prey is completely digested. The stomach stretches out so thin that you can easily see the swallowed prey through the skin. They're so vicious. They don't even allow you any privacy while disintegrating you in their stomach juices. Now, most sites keep on citing the same exact source, a guide to the study of fishes from 1905. Told you so. And state that the black swallower is capable of swallowing prey over twice its length and ten times its body mass. Well, in 2007, a specimen that was 19 centimeters long was found dead off the Cayman Islands containing an 86 centimeter long snake mackerel that partially burst out of its stomach. You can find the image on Google, it's 
totally metal. This is almost four and a half times the swallower's length. And what is more unusual is that the snake mackerels are also aggressive predators, so somehow this little fishy was able to incapacitate a four times larger predator and swallow it whole. The hell? Talk about the predator becoming the prey. Oh, there's more. This behavior of stuffing themselves to death is a normal thing for this species. Remember how I said most specimens are found dead floating on the ocean surface? Well, apparently, if the swallowed prey is too large to digest, it will start to decay inside the swallower's stomach, building up gases that blow it up like a balloon and pull it up to the ocean surface, where it freaking dies. I imagine they sometimes even pop due to the tremendous pressure difference. Now, I wondered, can't it just save itself by farting? So I googled black swallower farts, and literally every result was as questionable as this creature's name. I expected too much. So I googled the question mankind has been asking itself for centuries. Do fish farts? And it seems like our friends the ichthyologists are at it again with the fish fannies, as fish farts are apparently a hotly debated topic. And there's so much info on this, I can make a whole show just about fish farts. From what I understand, the ones who do fart do it with gas from their swim bladder. Herring seem to even communicate via farts. But as for flatulence originating from the digestive tract, no. They can't fart. So there it is, finally. Something cool I can do the swallower can't. Maybe I can impress it on the date. Or will I insult it? I don't speak farts, but fish apparently do. Well, I'm going to write it a poem. Little fishy, little fishy, how much you like to swallow. Deathly afraid of your stomach ever being hollow. Even if I scored a date, I don't feel like a winner, cause you will skip the appetizers and swallow me for dinner. Yeah, I'm a true Romeo. I should also note that only the adults of this species live in the ocean depths, while the younger specimens live in the most shallow surface layers of the ocean. Seemingly, as this fish grows older and uglier, it gradually falls ever so deep into lonely darkness, stuffing its face with junk that gives it indigestion. It is kind of like me. Well, I'll be damned. Who's at the door? May eternal be thy squishy. May eternal be thy squishy. Guys, a lot has happened since the last episode, so Dickie introduced me to a new community where I feel appreciated for who I am. They have embraced my simplicity and slobbery, and for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm part of something much larger than myself. Guys, we have all joined the House of the Atmospheric Salentorata. Hack for short. Dickie was a fine specimen. Such a shame. Yeah. Well guys, I've asked them to provide me one of their advocates. My jellyfish friend here is to accompany me on this date. Be my wingman. May I provide you these pamphlets? I'm already a member. Become one of us, one of us. Sorry guys, they don't have a central nervous system. But they can telepathically link me to other creatures so we may communicate. Didn't help me with Dickie though. He didn't have a brain. Well, they will help me tremendously with this date, though. So what's your name, my friend? Squishy. 
isn't the High Prophet named Squishy? We are all Squishy. You are Squishy, and the whole world will soon be Squishy. I see why Dicky loved you guys. Okay, guys. So how are we gonna do this? How am I supposed to go on a date with a fish? I can transfer your consciousness into an artificial fish body. I call this invention of mine artificial. Well, at least we're equally bad at naming things. Otherwise, that's an awesome plan! Squishy, be prepared to establish communication with my dates. No. What? I am an atmospheric jellyfish. My frequencies do not work in the water. Ugh, so you're just gonna float there. Well, I will prepare more pamphlets for your return. Oh, what a waste of time it was introducing you. I'm already late for my dates. I did also invent a fish translation device. I call it... Ow, just get me out of here! Okay, sad funny face. Ow, I can't see anything. You are over 2000 meters below the surface. Well, at least I can't see its ugly face. Oh, I sense its presence. Why is it always about size with them? For something living this deep in the ocean, it's very shallow. Closer. Uh, okay. I feel like I'm being lured into an orifice. Hey, are you trying to eat me? Oh, why is it talking like that? It is a fish. Its brain is not evolved for complex thought. Ow, and it just bit me! Get inside my balls! You didn't even get to know me. Ow, bring me home. I'm not ready for this. So, how was it? Ugh, that thing is like the worst type of partner. Its existence is so dreadful and lonely that it clings to the first living thing it stumbles upon. And if you reject it, it will just force itself upon you, even if that may kill it, because at least your skeletal remains will keep it company for a week. Who do you even think you are sending me on a date like that? Um, Darwin, I am you. What? You forgot your medication again. Ah, oh, crap! So, am I good now? No more voices? Okay. So, how does this fish actually swallow things bigger than its head? And why does it even do this? Well, most sites state the same exact thing, that the black swallower has a distensible giant stomach, and it has been proposed that it latches onto prey from the backside and slowly walks its teeth over the prey's body until fully swallowed. But the prey is still alive, and much larger, can't it just escape? Well, most of the sites also state that the swallower's teeth are very tough, so if the prey would try to swim away, it would basically carry its own predator with itself. Okay, but here's one thing nobody has mentioned anywhere. Fish are covered with hydrodynamically arranged scales. What this means is that if you run your finger from the fish's head to its tail, it will be slippery. But if you start from the opposite end, it will be extremely rough. 
So, let's say the swallower does actually start with the tail, and then slowly runs its teeth up the fish's body, extending its own esophagus beyond its normal dimensions in order to swallow something much bigger than its head. It will feel like swallowing sandpaper. And so, the prey is swallowed alive. So why doesn't it just try to escape through the swallower's mouth or gnaw its way through its stomach? Well, remember those interlocking teeth like zippers? Apparently, everyone states these prevent the prey from escaping through the mouth. But you know what? They all reference the taxonomist Theodore Gill, who proposed this hypothesis more than a century ago. And they copy and paste this over and over without attempting to compare it with physical evidence, which we apparently do have. Well, I have personally searched the darkest depths of the internet and have located another more valid hypothesis on Reddit of all things. And this Reddit thread is amazing. I'm going to put it in the episode description because as far as I can see, these scientists are not allowed to publish any interesting information in their research papers. So they go to Reddit, specifically the Ask Science subreddit, to share the actually cool stuff. They do have a passion for their work, but seemingly they're not allowed to talk about it in their official material because science is about facts and not feelings. And this is a goldmine of information. I highly encourage you to read it. It's just amazing discussion between like-minded people. As far as they've gathered, the black swallower actually starts with the head, biting down on the fish past its gills, so that the fish can first suffocate and die, and once dead and past the point of aggressively fending for its life, the rest of the prey is then swallowed whole. The swallower eats this way because at the depths where it lives, living things are extremely rare, so once it stumbles upon any sort of fish, it needs to take advantage of this opportunity because it may not even locate another food source before starvation. And once it is full, it needs to hide from its own predators, because now it cannot swim properly, it's bulged beyond recognition, and is extremely vulnerable in this state. You know, we were able to convict Ted Bundy based on dental impressions. If you look at any research paper on this species, it has extensive data on this thing's teeth. And when we collect them, these things come packed with their very own murder victim. So why can't we use some of that forensic magic? to analyze the bite marks on the prey and determine from which side the swallowing started to occur and just lay this mystery to rest already. Kinda like how I'm laying this episode to rest, cause I'm done. That was very insightful. You're back? Of course I am. But, uh, I took my medication. So? Hmm. You know, you really did jump the shark in this episode. Ah, oh, no. I can do even worse. Just watch me. There is nothing wrong with your phone. Do not attempt to adjust the volume. We are controlling the transmission. Ever feel life is full of stress, worries, and hardship? The House of the Atmospheric Cilantrata have a solution. We have been thriving for over 580 million years without a brain, and will continue to thrive after mankind's downfall.
Your brain is the only thing keeping you away from eternal happiness. Donate your mind today and we will provide you the gift of immortality and as many pamphlets as you need. Become one of us. Spread the word. May eternal be thy squishy.